Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so it is the first Sunday of the month, which means we get to do communion today. Um, So we can do communion and we can all go home, right? Sure. Uh, So that is what we are going to do, but we are going to talk more in depth about what communion is, where communion came from. Um, Sometimes it can be just one of those things that we do out of habit. And we're going to take time today and look more in depth about what communion is. For most of you, this is going to be a complete review, which is good because I feel that I, particularly in times of struggle, in times of stress, I need to be reminded of those things that have, you know, I I need to be reminded of my basics. I need to be reminded of where I came from. I need to be reminded of who I am, particularly who I am in Christ. Uh, so as we jump in here, the, the slide team is going to have a really easy time today because I don't have any. Um, so if you'll follow along in your Bibles, we're going to be jumping to several different passages. Uh, but we're to start with, we're just going to jump straight in and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to read what normally is our text when we are uh, when we are discussing communion this is the apostle paul uh, talking about communion to the corinthians first corinthians 11 verses 23 through 26 let me jump to it here for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it." In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. All right. So today, what we're going to go over is we're going to look at communion, past, present, and future. Okay? Um, Because as Jesus is giving us this. this ordinance of communion, if you will. Um, he's not doing this in a vacuum. Okay? This has a history. This has, this has a place. He's building on something that has been there before. Okay? And if we want to see, we have to understand the context in which, in which he was doing this. Now, Jesus, as he gives us this practice of communion as he as he does what we, as he gives us what we many times would call the lord's supper this is as he is about to be 
betrayed. This is as he is about to offer himself up as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. And this is really his, in one way, it's kind of his last attempt to show his disciples, hey, this is what's going to happen. This is what, this is what has to be done. Uh, and he takes something that they are used to, the Feast of Passover, and he fulfills and give new, gives new meaning to this, uh, to this holiday that they have been celebrating over and over and over their entire lives. Um, so where we need to start with the Lord's Supper is we need to go all the way back to Exodus. Okay? Exodus chapter 12, and this is the... This text is the, uh, is the commandment that God gave for uh, how the first Passover was going to be celebrated. We'll read it, and then we'll fill in a, 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 few, of the, a few of the blanks on this. Okay. Exodus chapter 12, starting in... make sure that I got it that I got it right yep. starting in verse 1 uh, this will be verses 1 through 13 that I'm going to read for you now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying this month shall be your beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year to you speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for, for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him take, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the, the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire. Its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with your belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you pass, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house, houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will, pass, 
I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. All right. So, what's going on here? Most of us know the story, but this is, we'll do just a quick recap. Uh, the children of Israel have been in Egypt for, I think, some 400 years of slavery at this point. Um, didn't quite start out as slavery, but it quickly became that. Um, and at this point, the deliv- God's deliverance is at hand for his people. They are about to be brought out of the slavery that they are experiencing in, in Egypt. Uh, at this point, nine of the ten plagues have already happened. Um, <laughs> Egypt is pretty well wrecked at this point, but there's one plague left. And that is the plague of the death of the firstborn. Um, and it's at this time that God requires an act of faith in the form of obedience from his people in order to spare them from this final plague. Uh, and, you know, we know the story, right? They participate in the Passover. They are obedient and they take the blood of the lamb and they put it on their doorposts and they have this feast uh, and then the next morning, the very next morning, the entirety of the children of Israel are kicked out of Egypt uh, as a result of this plague that has come down upon Egypt and with the death of the firstborn, even the, the firstborn of Pharaoh himself. Um, and so they are delivered, they are taken out of Egypt. Um, so that's the, that's the history there. Okay? That is the start of this feast known as Passover. Now every Passover after that was looking back to this time when God delivered his people. God passed over his people um, because of the blood of the lamb. And, uh, now, another thing that's going on now. So that's the, that's the history. Now, there's another feast that's involved with this, um, and that is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, we call it a feast, um, but think of eating hard, dry saltines without the salt for an entire week. That's essentially what the Feast of Unleavened Bread is. Um, this is. This was instituted in... Uh, Exodus 12 verses 14 through 20. We're not going to read it. We're not going to read that. Um, but this is what it was. For an entire week, they would eat this bread that was unleavened. Um, the that becomes important a little bit a little bit later when when Jesus is. Uh, having the Passover with his disciples. Um, 
so that's the ancient past, right? You have that history there. You have the Passover. You have what happened in Egypt. And the Passover of the Jews is always looking back to that point when God delivered them. Now we're going to come up to what I would say is the more recent past, which is Jesus celebrating the Passover with his disciples. Um, at the time that Jesus was about to be betrayed and crucified, they all went to Jerusalem, and it was for this feast. It was for this feast of unleavened bread, which ends with the celebration of the Passover. Um, so they are there in Jerusalem. Jesus understands this is, you know, this is the end. You know, he's, he's getting to the point where he's going to finish the work that he has to do. He knows he's about, Judas at this point has already betrayed him. Um, He's, Judas has already left to go start gathering the people who he will then bring back and betray Jesus to. Uh, and it's at this time that Jesus takes part of the Passover celebration and very clearly shows his disciples, hey, this is about me. This is about, you know, I am that Passover lamb that you are looking for. Um, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 29. This is, this is Jesus at the Last Supper, and this is this is him presenting this meal to his disciples. 26, starting in 26 through 29. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not going to go into this, really the specifics of what is going on here in, in the Passover celebration. I'm going to tell you this is towards the towards the very end of the of the meal. He takes bread and it would have been unleavened bread because it's the feast of unleavened bread. That's the only thing that they had around. Uh, he took, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, said, "Hey, this is my body, which is going to you know which is broken for you." Um, in the same way, he took the cup and said, hey, this, this is my blood. This represents my blood, which is going to be poured out for you, poured out for the remission, for your remission, for the remission of your sins. Um, uh, 
and that's that kind of brings us to where we are today, all right? Now we participate in the Lord's Supper, um, and throughout church history, we've kept this meal, okay? Um, you know, we've kept this as one of our focal points of worship. Now, whether it was around the table at some of those first house churches or in the catacombs when the Christians were, were facing persecution or to great cathedrals or even to our congregational worship today, we have kept the Lord's Supper. We have kept this remembrance of what he has done for us. Um, So as we consider what we're about to do, or as we consider the communion that we're about to receive, let's just look at some very maybe basic things that we need to think about. Um, obviously, we think about what's the, the bread, okay? The question might be, well, what bread should we use? Um, now, Jesus used unleavened bread uh, because that's what, that's what would have been used during the Feast of Passover. Um, if you look in 1 Corinthians 11, it just says bread. Um, it doesn't necessarily specify leavened or unleavened. Um, So that's the bread part of it. Um, the cup. The cup in the Passover celebration or in, in, the, in the celebration of communion, you see, you see it called the cup or you see it called the fruit of the vine. Fruit of the vine could mean wine or it could just mean grape juice. It was used interchangeably. Okay. Um, the, we do know that, that wine was used, um, but often the wine would be diluted. Uh, in some things that I saw, it was as much as, uh, two parts water to one part wine. So it would, it would be diluted. Um, again, scripture's not very not very specific about what you're using, whether it's wine or grape juice. Now, it does have things to say about how you celebrate it, right? Which we're about to jump back into in 1 Corinthians 11. Because surrounding Paul's, Paul telling them what communion is, is the cautions that he's giving them with it. Uh, so here we generally celebrate just a very, I would call it bare communion. We just take the bread. We just take, take the cup. Um, but if you were, but you could also add what is called the love feast to it. Um, 
this is how the early church would have celebrated it. They would have had a meal as well as communion. And, you know, as it comes out of Passover, that kind of makes sense, right? But Paul is going to give us some cautions about celebrating the Lord's Supper communion. Um, we're back in 1 Corinthians 11. Um, and he has, he has some pretty harsh things to, to tell the Corinthians. Now I'm giving, this is verse 17 of 11. Now I'm giving these instructions. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the others, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. And then basically gives them a a full load of this is what communion is supposed to be. Um, Jumping down to verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren... When you come to eat together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. So we're actually only getting the tip of the iceberg with what Paul was about to deal with with the, with the Corinthians. But hopefully that's enough for us. Okay? As we come to partake in communion, we need to consider it seriously. Okay? When he says, uh, when he says examine yourself, when he says don't eat this in an unworthy manner, what is he talking about? And I'm gonna I'm gonna give us a couple of I'm gonna give us a couple of examples. Um, I think I'm going to I'm going to start with those who are already saved. Okay? The Corinthians, when they were participating in communion, they had the entire love feast that they were doing, the meal that was associated with it. And what was happening, it seems, is that 
there were divisions, there were factions. People were, some people were eating all the food, some people weren't getting any, some people were using the cup as an excuse to get drunk. Um, just participating in a completely irreverent manner. Um, as far as the meal, you know, think of it as a church potluck and that all the entrees disappear and the last 10 people in line don't get anything. I mean, that's, that's kind of what was going on. Um, and Paul goes, hey, you need to take this seriously. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself so that he, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And he gives an example. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Uh, word for sleep, that's just a very nice way to say, and some of you, and some of you have died because of this. Um, so, examining ourselves. What is that? What are we to examine in ourselves? What are we to consider when we come to take of the Lord's table together? Now, I think probably the first thing that we need to look at is, you know, do we actually believe? Communion is for believers, okay? If, if you don't believe, you shouldn't partake. And let me expand on that. Um, find it interesting. The Lord's Supper is recorded in three different Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, I find it interesting that the book that tells us the most about the Last Supper doesn't actually include communion. But it does include some of Jesus' other teachings, which is what we're going to. We're going to John chapter 6. Now, understanding that in communion, the bread represents the body of Christ, the, the wine or grape juice as it is, the, the cup represents the blood of Christ. This isn't the first time that Jesus has used this very example. And so we're jumping to John chapter 6, giving you a little bit of context. What has just, just happened? Jesus has just fed the 5,000, and then he has gone to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the people who were fed in that group of 5,000 followed him to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And 
they're looking for more bread. Okay? They're, they're saying, hey, you fed us once, can you feed us again? And now Jesus is going to draw the line. And he's going to draw the line by showing them exactly why he is here. John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 32. Um, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, that, that of all he has given me, I should, not, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's pretty clear, right? They were looking for bread to fill their bellies where Jesus was offering himself. He was going to offer himself uh, as that bread from heaven. Uh, now they're having, they're of course having problems with it. Um, and rather than trying to make things easier, Jesus ends up kind of doubling down on the situation. We're going to pick it up in verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now, what's he doing here? Uh, And as much as it... May, must have shocked the audience that he would use this analogy when you understand the sacrifice that Christ was making. It makes perfect sense. Okay? 
he is offering his body as that sacrifice. Uh, what did John the Baptist call him when he was when he first introduced him? He called Jesus the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Uh, Jesus came to be that sacrifice. He came to be that Passover sacrifice. Now, here's the thing, both with manna and with the Passover sacrifice. With the manna that came down from heaven, didn't do them any good if they didn't eat it. It was provided freely, but they had to go out and get it. Same with the Passover. God gave them a commandment, uh, a new commandment that they had never done anything like before. Okay? You know, who... You know, who, when hearing your family is in danger, whose first response is to go out and kill a goat? No. <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're trying, we're, we're, that's not our, that's not our first response, Right? God, God gave them a command that, that they were just going to have to trust him on. Okay? God told them the judgment that was coming. God told them, and this is how I am providing for you. You take that lamb, you eat the, and you kill the lamb. The blood covers you. The body becomes your sustenance. And that's the way that I am providing for you to escape judgment. As we look at communion, as we consider what these elements represent, <clears throat> just like the Passover that was celebrated in Jesus' day, it looks back to the sacrifice that Christ made for us. It looks back to what has been done on our behalf. And the question for all of us as we are partaking in it is, hey, is this what you believe? If it's not what you believe, you shouldn't take part in it. It's better for you not to take part than, than pretend. Okay. This is a remembrance. The taking of the elements isn't what saves you. It's actually accepting what Christ has done on your behalf. It's accepting that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life and was crucified, not for his own sins, but for ours, for mine, for yours. And that in believing in him, we are now able to have a relationship with God, that we are brought into God's family, that we are that we are now attached to him in a different relationship than we had before. Um, so as we, as we consider communion, that's the big idea. And so that's one, that's one way that we examine ourselves. Now, there's another way that we examine ourselves and you know if <clears throat> number one make sure that you believe 
But if you are in that spot of belief, examine yourself and say, hey, am I taking this seriously? You know, am, am I really remembering what Christ had to do for me? Uh, am I, uh, you know, and considering what Christ did for me, am I taking what he did for me for granted? Am I taking it in, uh, in an unworthy manner, so to speak? Um, you know, is there... Is there a sin that I'm hanging on to that Christ died for? This is, the, this is an opportunity that we get every time we take communion to take a step back and say, hey, you know, am I hanging on to a sin? Is there bitterness or anger or resentment that I am hanging on to? Um, is my life reflecting the fact that Christ died for me? Now, communion is a very easy thing to do because it's a, it's a physical representation of the belief that we have that Christ has, in fact, died for us and that his blood was shed for us and, and covers us. Um, is my life reflecting that? And these are the questions that we get to ask right before we partake of communion. Um, So that's that I would say is communion present. Okay? Every time we partake of it, whenever we partake of it, whether it's here as a communion, whether whether it's uh, we'll say whether it's at home with a group of believers, whether it's part of another congregation, we practice what's called open communion here. Anyone who trusts in Christ is free to partake of communion in the in the Church of God. Okay. Um, but there's another, there's one more part of communion. There's one more thing that communion does for, for us, and that, that is that communion looks forward. Okay. Yes, God did a lot of things in the past. In fact, all of my sins were future at the time that Christ died for me. He's done a lot of things in the past, but he's not done. Uh, first, I'd like to look at the 1 Corinthians 11 passage again. I believe it's verse 29. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. <clears throat> now that, that till he comes is the point that I want to look at. Okay? Uh, there's going to come a time, we don't know when, um, but the offer to partake not in communion, but in that sacrifice that Christ has made for us. There's going to come an expiration date on that. Now, think of 
Think of the example of Passover. Nine plagues had happened, and then they were given this they were given this this act of faith that they needed to that they needed to participate in. Okay. Um, and there was only a limited amount of time that they were able to to fulfill this. There was only a limited amount of time that they were able to do this. And then the last plague happened. Okay. Now I'm going to say. Uh, it's likely that we will die and meet Christ in the air rather than he come come back. But you can't say for sure. At some point, there's going to be a time in human history where God says, that's enough. Humans have been given enough time to turn to me. You know, they have been given enough opportunities to hear my gospel. Um, and at that point, well, then it's too late. Okay? Now, let's jump back over to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26. And I thought this was interesting. It's approaching the same thing, but from a little bit different, little bit different perspective. Okay. Um, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, "Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant." which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Uh, as you look past that point to his crucifixion, to his resurrection, to his ascension, Never again in Scripture is it recorded that you see Christ drinking with his disciples. Like, at all. Now you do see the cup, the cup that he drinks on the cross. You see um, the, the figurative cup that he is that he has to bear as he says, Father, let, if, it, if, it, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. But you never see, you never see him with his disciples drinking again. You don't, you don't see him partaking of this particular, you don't see him partaking, partaking of this particular uh, Drinking with his disciples at peace, if you will. You just don't see it. Now, when I look at that, I said, huh. So that means there's still time. We haven't seen that happen yet. 
There's still time for people to respond to the gospel of Christ. There's still time for people to come and be part of this family. Um, as we partake in communion, and I guess that's what I would challenge you with today, as you partake in communion, think of somebody who's not here today. Someone that you would like to be able to partake in communion with. That when Christ does come and the time is, time is up and uh, that, that final judgment occurs, somebody that you would like to see with you. And work, start praying and start working towards that would be my encouragement with you. We have, we don't know how much time we have left, but we do have time. Uh, as we partake in communion, let's be mindful of these things. Now, if I can get the guys with the plates to come forward, let's partake of communion together. Being mindful of be, being mindful of what we've discussed. I know I didn't hit everything, but For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We can have the... Go ahead and pass out the bread, please.
In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <laughs> 